You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Um, we're just going to bounce around today. I don't have a real great uh, outline because I just there's a lot of stories that I sort of want to hit on. So we'll just kind of see where we go in segment one and segment two. I have kind of a rant. I got, I got duped. I don't think I got duped. That's probably not the wrong, the right word. Uh, there's a Twitter account that puts out like a list related to college football frequently. Um, it's not Big Game Boomer. There's Big Game Boomer, and then there's been some other accounts that have sort of sprouted up that are trying to do similar things. Anyway, I reacted to what I thought was a very silly tweet. And uh, that's what they want you to do. So I felt kind of dumb afterwards. But anyway, we'll talk about that as well. I want to start, though, today with a quick update on realignment because last time we talked, I was pretty passionate about, hey, Big 12 needs to go add uh, these four corner schools, as they're called, Colorado, the two Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State, and then um, Utah. And so update on that front. This this is just, you know, reporting. There's nothing official. The Pac-12 is currently negotiating. They've opened up their window to negotiate their TV deals again. So they're trying to get a better deal um, and incentivize their current members to stick around. And, of course, Oregon and Washington are sort of the two linchpins here now that USC and UCLA are headed out the door um, that are trying to hold this thing together. So, there was a report from Ute.com, which is a Utah website, that the Pac-12 schools are going to announce soon that they're staying together. Uh, And the Big 12 did a similar kind of, you know, vote of confidence last summer when everything went down with Texas and OU. Um, One, we don't know if that's totally true yet. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. I'll just say this. I think if that's true... It's a missed opportunity for the Big 12. Now, there's still a lot that can play out here, obviously. I don't think realignment's done. I don't think the movement's done. Now, the SEC has come out and said that they're staying at 16, at least for the time being. The Big 10, I think, seems pretty content with what they've done, and everyone seems to think they're just waiting on Notre Dame to kind of give them a decision. But, Pac-12... The rumor is now, at least for the time being, they're going to stay together. I just think it's a missed opportunity for the Big 12 Conference. It seemed like it was a chance to, you know, jump up and essentially end the league, the West Coast League and the Pac-12, or just hurt them. And if this ends up happening, then at least temporarily they didn't do that. Now, like I said, there's still plenty of time. There's a lot of maneuvering that's going to go down. We'll see where it all stands and ends up when the dust settles. But for the moment, it feels like the Big 12 might have missed out on uh, on a good thing happening with some expansion with those specific schools. But we'll see if, if that changes here in the coming days. Uh, media days for the Big 12 starts today. Tomorrow, TCU will have their time to speak. And we'll hear Sonny Dykes for the first time since spring practice, you know, Sonny's been pretty active this off season since he took the job, 
doing interviews. So we've heard from him more than we typically would uh, from, say, Gary during the offseason because he usually only did a couple interviews um, up until media days. But this will be the first sort of press conference setting that will get a chance to, you know, hear him respond to some questions and, and that kind of forum since spring practice. So, I mean, biggest question marks to me, obviously the quarterback situation is not resolved. I imagine, though, that's going to resolve itself pretty soon into fall camp. I'm not super worried about it. I really did hope that somebody would kind of emerge and separate themselves. That didn't happen. But I just kind of want to know more about this defensive line. I think that's that's really the key to me. If they are better than expected, then I believe this team has a really high ceiling. Like, you can you can talk about winning eight or nine games. If they are still getting – pushed around and blown off the ball and then you know I don't know it, it's hard to it's hard even with the offensive improvement that you expect to happen it's difficult to envision you know a big improvement for this program unless that defense gets better and I think it really starts up front you know linebacker D. Winters is a good player. We'll see what happens with Marcel Brooks. But I think there's enough in the secondary and at linebacker, there's enough talent there that they can kind of figure those positions out. It's really the D-line, to me, that has to be just marked, you know, markedly better than it was last season. Um, and if they are, then I feel like this team has a chance to be really good. But, yeah, media days will go down over the next couple days. Um, TCU picks seventh in the preseason poll, which, I mean, I think it's fair. I I, I can't really disagree with it too much. Um, We'll see how things shake out when the season starts. I I definitely think they can be better than that. It's a a weird year for the league, though. Like, there's not a team that's just over – that we get the sense is just overwhelmingly better than everyone else. But everyone seems sort of clustered together, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of parity. You would think, you know, Oklahoma State is lost a lot of production, but they're a solid program. Oklahoma's kind of that same boat. Uh, Baylor lost a good amount of skill player production, but they had a really good season last year. Texas is very very talented on paper. Um, Iowa State, Kansas has a good coach. Kansas State, I think, is a, a sleeper team because. Adrian Martinez, you know, what does he bring at that quarterback position? And then they got guys like Deuce Vaughn coming back. So that's six right there. I mean, I just listed six teams that you, I think, going into the year could easily say, oh, yeah, they're probably going to be better than TCU. Hopefully TCU can prove everybody wrong and jump up in the sandings by winning some games. All right, when we come back, uh, Chris Hummer from 247 Sports had an article on Quentin Johnston and – I got drawn off sides on Twitter yesterday. We'll discuss that next on Locked on Horn Frogs. Segment two here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Came across this article yesterday that I thought was really good. Uh, Chris Hummer, who writes for 247 Sports, he wrote about Quentin Johnston. And um, the headline or the lead to this article is uh, the next step for TC wide receiver Quentin Johnston, putting the upside word behind him. And it just sort of details how Quentin is a potential first-round draft pick next year, um, that but that he needs to put together a great 
season with big time results to sort of solidify himself because when everybody talks about Quentin, you know, they talk about the physical attributes and there's always sort of that caveat, yeah, he's got a lot of potential. He hasn't really totally capitalized in on, on it yet. And a lot of that has, has to do with his health. But it discusses, you know, the big game he had against Oklahoma last year. Um, and then they start talking about, you know, that potential. A quote from Sonny Dykes says, He's got so much upside. Ah, upside. Frankly, Johnson gets a bit tired of that word. He realizes his compliment. He recognizes the ability within himself. But upside is a phrase about potential, not results. Heading into a junior season with the NFL potentially not too far on the horizon, he's projected as an early first-round pick. Johnson wants so much more than what upside could do to his future. And then Quentin comes in with a quote, upside doesn't mean anything if you can't do anything with it. Um, so, I mean, obviously you see here his focus is in the right place. He wants to have a big season. A couple of things that stood out to me here. One is um, Hummer dropped this nugget that, Sonny Dykes, when he took the job, he went down to Temple and personally visited Quentin and his family, uh, which is it's pretty rare for a coach, if they're not rec- actively recruiting somebody that's not on the roster, it's, it's rare for a coach to just go to a current player's home and basically check in and be like, hey, are we good? And it totally makes sense. I mean, with the transfer portal, I think it was a smart thing to do, but it also just shows the priority that Sonny Dykes has for his top wide receiver. And he told Quentin and his family, according to this article, he said, hey, we got to get you more targets. Like, that is the priority for this TCU offense. And the way they want to do it is also intriguing. I mean, we know he can go up and get those 50-50 balls, and that's really been what he's done a lot of his career up to this point. Um, And they use him on deep routes primarily, trying to separate from defenders. Because he's fast. I mean, I think that's, you know, people think of his size, which is a huge thing for him, but he really does have that separating speed. And um, Malcolm Kelly and Sonny Dykes both said, hey, we want to get this guy the ball in space more. That's, that's really what we think is the next step. Finding ways to get him the ball in that intermediate passing game, you know, some post patterns, some slants, making guys miss. And, um, I remember the first touchdown he scored in his career. It was against Iowa State, and, uh, you know, it was just on a little stop route. He caught the ball, and then he took it to the house. Uh, did similar things against Cal this year. Like, that is a way to get him going. And I was surprised they didn't try to do that more the past two seasons. I think they did at times. Like, I remember that Texas Tech game. They were really struggling to get the ball through the air, but they, you know, got him the ball on some end rounds and that kind of thing. Um, so we'll see you know, how that looks once the season starts. But they're really going to try to target him, get him the ball in space, and allow him to make plays going into the season. Um, so, yeah, it, it's exciting to see the focus and the mentality Quentin has. Hopefully it translates to the field this season. But that is the next step for him, putting aside this upside label, this potential label, and finding a way to have a really productive year so when he does go in the draft next season, there's at least a full season of, you know, tape and um, numbers where an NFL team can say, oh, wow, this guy is more than just, you know, a, a big body physical player that we could maybe get some um, potential out of in the future. All right, so finally today, I was on Twitter yesterday, and you know, Twitter is, the whole point of it is just to get people to react. But 
there's this account online called Big Game Boomer, and they started this trend of they just rank things, and it's usually related to college football, college sports. So they would say, all right, top 10 uh, student sections in the country, and they would rank it, or top 50 defensive line coaches in the country, and they would rank it. And, I mean, the whole point of it is is to just get people to respond. It's like, oh, no, I disagree with that. That's The whole list are, it's not a new thing. The Internet does it all the time. That's just the whole bit. Get people to respond, to react, get people angry, get people upset. And so there's another Twitter account, Gambling Gotchos, which is a Texas Tech podcast. And they're kind of doing a similar thing. They're just ranking, um, you know, oh, best quarterbacks for each team in Big 12 history. And so yesterday they did a best running back for each Big 12 team ever. And I, was, I happened to glance at this list. Guys, they put Zach Evans as the best TC running back ever. Which... I have like I don't engage with these things because I just I find it kind of silly and pointless. But they got me yesterday. Like just the utter stupidity. I mean, like Zach Evans, super talented player. I wish it would have worked out more than it did at TCU. And when he was on the field, you saw that talent, you saw that edge. He was, you know, better than most of the people on the field. He averaged seven yards a carry. Special player. But he wasn't available. I mean, it was every three or four carries he was tapping his helmet coming off the field. He never got as many touches as you would want. He was always, you know, getting subbed in and subbed out. Then he had the injury and he was shut down for the rest of the season. He barely had over 1,000 yards in the two seasons he was there. So just on its own, that's silly. Now, obviously, it's LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, he's the dude. He's the guy. He is the best running back in the school's history. There's no question, right? But, like, I wouldn't, Zach, I mean, I wouldn't put, I would put Aaron Green ahead of Zach. I'd probably put Ed Wesley and Wayman James ahead of Zach. And these are just guys recently. I know historically there's even more players that you could put in front of Zach Evans when you're talking about all-time great running backs. It's just insane to me. And I had to react to it. But, you know, gambling gotchos on Twitter if you want to give them a hard time about it, too. I just couldn't believe, I couldn't believe they put that on there with a straight face. So, they got me. That'll do it for Locked on Horned Frogs today. We'll be back later this week. This is uh, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.